Welcome to the Tribe Archipelago podcast. Interviews and inspiration for photographers. We are a community of photographers united by a passion for our craft and a growing collection of some of the world's finest Lightroom presets and post-production tools. Whatever you're doing right now, whether it's editing your recent session, headed out for a shoot, or just hanging out at your favorite coffee spot, we're glad you're here. As a way of thanking you for tuning in, we are offering all of our podcast listeners a discount of 20% on your next purchase. Visit us at tribearchipelago.com and use the code TRIBEPODCAST to redeem the special offer. So thanks for joining us today, and on behalf of Tribe Archipelago, I'm your host, Sean Morton. In today's podcast, I will be speaking with Robert Peterson. Robert and his wife Tiffany are best known as Rustic White, a husband and wife team of photographers based in Atlanta, Georgia. As well as wedding photography, they are the creative force behind Rustic White Interiors, a successful photography business based around interiors, travel, and food photography. Robert shares some insight on working with designers, ideas around ways to earn income through travel photography, and the importance of finding a good work-life balance. It is an inspiring chat that's going to take us from Antarctica to Greenland and beyond. So let's dive in. Robert Peterson, thank you for being on the podcast today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, There's a bunch of stuff I want to chat with you about, and I guess I should start at the beginning. Um, You you and your wife, Tiffany, uh, run Rustic White Photography and Rustic White Interiors. You guys have a really beautiful and diverse portfolio. You you shoot weddings and travel, uh, food, interiors, and, and more. Uh, give us a bit of insight of how your journey into photography began. So, well, thank you for the compliments. Mm-hmm. I, I think our start in photography was similar to a lot of people's start in photography in that we really kind of fell into it. It wasn't something we ever went to school for or had our sights on. We didn't grow up with cameras in our hands. We literally, we got married in 2009 in June. And then in July, I bought Tiff a camera for her birthday she just started taking, she was a preschool teacher at the time, Okay. started shooting little family sessions, kids' sessions of the kids in her class. And I believe it was probably, a, I had to guess, four to six months into that, a neighbor of a family that she photographed asked if she shot weddings. And we had no wedding experience. We had only attended our own wedding. and But we went ahead and we took a meeting with this couple. I only attended as moral support, <laughs> but showed up, sat down with the family and the couple, and halfway through the meeting, the dad is asking us how much. And then he asked if we need 50% down right then. And we were just beside ourselves. <laughs> and so we didn't know exactly what we were getting into, but we, you know, we came up with a number. We threw out $2,000 and he wrote us a check for $1,000 right then. So we went out, I bought a camera, we bought two <laughs> flashes and we just took like a crash course online and Googling everything we could about wedding photography and what you photograph and that first year, I believe we photographed nine weddings. Yeah. And then the following year, I think it was 23. And then it grew from there. And it's a very similar story, how we fell into interiors. We just kind of a little bit of right place, right time. Right. I was a personal trainer and I just happened to start personal training, uh, interior designer. And 
started photographing spaces for him after he saw some of our wedding work and what we were doing with reception rooms. And it's just, it's been a natural evolution from there, tying in uh, travel and a little bit of food. And, but I would say really our primary focus has always been sort of trying to stay to the wedding world and trying to stay with interiors. Yeah. What's, uh, can you remember back what, what camera you got back then when you, when you guys first started out? (laughs) It was the Nikon D40. Oh, yeah. And the only reason it was the Nikon was I actually happened, I believe it was my dad, somebody family related had two Nikon lenses. They had a 50 yeah. and I want to say, I think I think they had a 50 and an 85, like one fours. Yeah, perfect. And I was like, that's it. We'll be Nikon shooters. <laughs> um, I will say we switched probably about three years ago. We switched over to Canon. Oh, yeah. um, I just like the skin tones a lot more on the Canon. Yeah. And... I go through little spouts here and there where I'm like, oh, maybe we should switch to mirrorless. Let's look at the Fujis. And, <laughs> you know, if it, we took such a hit when we switched all of our gear over, yeah. um, I was like, Tiff will, she'll be done with me if I uh, try to switch our gear again. <laughs> so we'll be Canon shooters for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Well, I, I bet if, if you uh, do a lot of traveling, which of course you do, you probably would really love just having one of those little Fujis. Uh, they're just so small and light and, and perfect for, for that kind of stuff. So, Oh, that's yeah. exactly. I mean, it's when you're trying to load up to five Ds yeah. with vertical grips and additional <laughs> lenses and everything. And, you know, we shot an elopement down in Antarctica last year yeah. and you're very limited on what you're allowed to take down there from a weight standpoint because of the plane. And we really had to consolidate our gear down tight. And I ended up being down there. I was down there a week um, in Antarctica and just re-wearing the same clothing (laughs) attire because I had to, something had to give and it couldn't be gear. So it had to be clothes. So (laughs) I was, I I was funky by the end of it, but we got beautiful images out of it. And, at the end of the day, something's got to give. So you're like, oh, I guess, guess I'm just going to wear what I wear yeah. the whole time. That's cool. Um, actually, talk to me a bit about what it's like working as a couple. So um, there's got to be some some challenges and some advantages, right, to to being in a, a you know business a photography business partnership uh, with with your wife. Oh, absolutely. I, I we spoke about this just the other week. In fact, it's my heart goes out to anybody who runs a business completely as a solo operation. There are just so many elements to keep up with. I mean, between just the constant correspondent of emails, new inquiries, taking care of current couples. Yeah. And that's just the business side, not even handling the creative side where you're thinking of actual shoot in post-production and album design. So I would say, you know, the first two to three years were definitely the hardest because neither one of us came from a photography background and neither one of us came from, like a sole proprietor business background. Yeah. We, like I said, she was a school teacher. I was a personal trainer. We're jumping into this business together. And there was a lot of overlap at the start. Like we would attend every meeting together. She wanted to sit down and after we would shoot a wedding, she would want to call all the images together. And that immediately became unmanageable because you don't agree on who, what images you think yeah. should be included. And so You know, it took a good two or three years for us to kind of find our foothold of who should really handle what. And it's funny, I jump in, if I ever jump in on a a meeting or on a phone call with her, I am so out of my element now. She is so good (laughs) and so buttoned up of how she explains how we handle a day to our couples and walking them through the process and making sure everybody's where they need to be for photos the day of that I would be at a total loss without her. And 
on my end, I pretty much just handle, I show up, I shoot the wedding with her. Um, I work more as I would say our first shooter simply because I'm just more vocal and louder than her. But she is really the brains behind our operation and keeping us organized. And then I handle all of our post-production and album design. And so I think as a couple, it's so important to kind of figure out where your strengths are and lean into those and not have a lot of overlap because you're just kind of building unnecessary time consumption when you start overlapping doing the same job. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good that you, you guys are able to, to figure out exactly who's, who's got the skills in, in which department and, uh, and take advantage of that so you can get the most out of it. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, you've had your work featured all over the place. Like you, you've done stuff with HGTV, DIY network, Home Depot. So first, someone that um, maybe doesn't have the experience, what sort of advice or, or tips would you give to anybody looking to get their work maybe uh, featured uh, in a magazine? Well, I'll talk real fast about this, I guess, from two angles. Okay. If you're approaching this from like the wedding world, I think putting together styled shoots is probably one of the quickest and best ways to try to get your work out there and get it featured, especially if you feel like you're not booking the jobs or booking the clients or the wedding venues that you feel like are going to get you featured working to put together a styled shoot and bringing in all those elements is a good way to get featured. The industry's changed a lot in the last few years. It's tougher than it used to be to get those features. Um, but it's still worth the effort. And honestly, Tiff and I, we spoke about this the other week at a workshop and I think the biggest reason for doing style shoots is simply the community you're going to build throughout it. And that's going to grow your business so much. And then getting featured just ends up being a nice bonus on top of that with interiors getting featured. It's really hard. You can't really, you could, but it's not really realistic to put together like a style shoot for interiors. Getting started with interiors. And I'm seeing a lot of wedding photographers start to lean more into the interior world because I feel like it, there's a lot of overlap in trying to compose beautiful imagery and, You know, a lot of wedding photographers are familiar with photographing rooms and large spaces. I would say probably the best way to kind of start with that and then you'll build the opportunity to get featured is kind of reaching out to designers. Okay. Try to track down designers, interior designers in your market that are also growing, trying to get their work out there and get featured more. You can find so many of them on Instagram easily, but kind of roll through their Instagram feed, see what it looks like, see what you think they might be in need of and reach out to them and pitch yourself. And especially if you're beginning, I mean, you could definitely reach out to them and say, Hey, do you have any spaces you would love to have photographed? Cause I'd be interested in speaking with you. And I mean, you could do it at a discounted rate. You could do it for free. If you really felt like that's what you wanted to lean into. Um, we're picky about doing things for free. We really yeah. don't do anything for free. Um, just because you, you're never going to turn even the client that, you know, gives you $500, you're not going to turn them into your $5,000 client. Yeah. So it, it's just, it can be a slippery slope to start doing too many things for free. Yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit actually in the technical side of, of shooting interiors. Cause I mean, your work's amazing and I, I, I don't do it, but uh, when I look at your work, everything seems, you know, beautifully lit, but it's very natural. Are you, are you just using natural light? Or are you do you use lights, artificial lights when you're, when you do shoot interior? So I definitely, I don't call myself like a natural light photographer with interiors, but we definitely use and manipulate natural light as much as we can in spaces. And that's one of the beautiful things when you're shooting interiors versus on a wedding day or working with uh, 
live people or talent or even pets for that matter, you can really, you're on a tripod, you can drag that shutter for as long as you yeah. need to. And so there's bringing in lots of reflectors, lots of silks, core board, whatever we need okay. to really bounce around natural light as much as we can. We do have um, a pro photo strobe kit yep. that we pretty much take on every job. And usually we only try to use strobes to fill in shadows. I don't ever want a space to feel lit. Yeah. There's a lot of spaces in our portfolio that I'm really proud of that you look at and you're like, oh, what beautiful natural light. And then you find out later, like it, it'll be, it was shot at 10 PM completely <laughs> off strobe yeah. lights. And there's other ones too, where, you know, you bring in a strobe just to open up the shadows a little bit. And all of a sudden the whole room feels overly lit. Yeah. So it's definitely sort of a play in process. And, you know, with weddings and with interiors, we never had that opportunity to kind of study under anyone else. So I only know the way we do it yeah. and I never know if it's the right way. But I, this one thing that I do think is so important when you're on jobs, especially if you're on jobs in front of clients, even as you're moving lights around is still faking that confidence looking like you know what you're doing <laughs> even as you're internally freaking right. out because the worst thing you could yeah. do is let anybody else know you're unsure because then they're going to freak yeah. out and that holds so true with wedding clients oh, yeah. or with working with designers or magazines or anybody else keep moving the light keep doing what you're doing get yourself in a place where in the absolute worst case scenario you know that it's something you can piece together and post because <laughs> especially with interiors you work with tremendous numbers of brackets yes. but I think so many of our opportunities and so much of the growth we've been able to have is because we'll jump in over our heads on a job that we feel like is beyond our skill set and our knowledge base at that moment. And you get in there and you figure it out and you make it work and you learn a lot from it that you can carry into the next job. Yeah, you guys definitely are are trial by fire, uh, di diving in head first. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, I mean, it. I will say we've been bad about. We were never the photographers to go out in our own backyard and just take pictures of, you know, a tabletop or a fruit tree or anything yeah. to just learn that way. We definitely would jump into jobs and jump into situations and force ourselves to learn when the pressure was on. And, you know, I don't know if that's good or bad. It's just what we tended to do. And since we never studied under anybody else, we'd never saw anybody else's methodology. Yeah. And a lot of times that when opportunities present themselves, especially as sole proprietors, we all tend to say yes, because if you say no and they move on to somebody else, they may never come back to you. Yeah. So you, you kind of say yes when the opportunities are there. Yeah. And I think that's a good personality type to have in this business when you're, when you are working for yourself is that, uh, not to have that fear and just to take that challenge as a, as a learning experience and, and, uh, go with it. So, yeah. Um, absolutely. Listen, I, I, I'm a huge fan of travel photography, uh, and like you, I've I've have a couple daughters, and and I struggle with this sometimes. But I wanted to ask you about uh, how you manage balancing time with family and time to do photography when you're when you're out on on adventures with them. So, <laughs> I will say the majority of our travel, I have actually ended up doing solo at this point because okay. of the fact that especially now our five-year-old is at school age. Right. And even though Tiff, and this is completely doable because Tiff used to be a teacher. She homeschools our girls. Okay. Um, but it still just makes it logistically hard to travel with kids to a job. Yeah. I love because Tiff is also as much of a workaholic as I am. We have taken family vacations before. And if we travel out West and stuff, we'll go out West to Arizona. And 
Tiff will be like, hey, while we're out in Arizona, let's go ahead and throw together a styled shoot for our portfolio. <laughs> and next thing you know, we're supposed to be on family vacation, yeah. but we're squeezing in a quick styled shoot in the desert, yeah, yeah. which is fantastic. So we've definitely done it with our kids. And we've even used our kids in shoots oh, cool. as flower girls or models. And I've used my kids in different campaigns for interiors. Huh. And they, uh, it's just something they've been around. As far as some of the heavier duty travel, I've just been really fortunate that, you know, Tiff is also in the business and she's super understanding. So when I was down in South America and Antarctica, I went down there for an elopement, yep. but stuck around to shoot travel content and was out of town for almost three weeks. And, you know, you definitely miss your family. You definitely miss your kids and your spouse, but it also forces you when you're gone, you're gone with a purpose. Yeah. Um, every day I wake up, if I'm out of town, there's a purpose. If I'm not on a pay job, if I'm out to ju just try to boost, you know, travel content that hopefully we can sell to anthropology or artfully walls or some sort of curator, yeah. you wake up with that in mind and you have a reason for being there. Otherwise, if you're on a job and you're not making money, you're just, your overall yearly income per hour starts going down. Yeah. So it's really important to us that we're always focused on kind of the bottom line. And if we're gone and if we're traveling, there's a purpose behind it. That's smart. Yeah. Listen, uh, you touched on something there uh, that we had talked about uh, last time we chatted. Uh, you, you've been doing some work for uh, a client, Arfully Walls. Uh, talk to us about that. So, yeah, Arfully Walls is actually, they're an online curator of art. So they reach out to a lot of artists. Maybe they have two or three dozen artists under their umbrella that they basically sell their work online. And you basically just receive a commission based off of sales of your work. So they work with a lot of painters and different types of artists and photographers. And it was, I wish I could remember her name. It's been a few years. Um, a woman there who had come across our Instagram and seen some of our travel work. And just by chance, I happened to cross paths with her in person oh, cool. at a job in Michigan. And we got to talking and I followed up and sent her sort of a catalog of travel pieces and, they picked up some of our work and that was about three years ago. So every time I do a big trip, like I just got back from Ireland and Norway nice. and being up in the Lofoten islands and it's stunning up there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really just, it's like something out of Jurassic park. So hmm. as I'm up there and I'm shooting, I'm shooting for one client, uh, a designer who's doing a book project, but I'm also shooting sort of for myself and pieces that I think might sell to artfully walls. And then they have, uh, Every year, they do sort of a curation with anthropology. So anthropology has started picking up some of our work, nice. which has been great. Yeah. And it just ends up being sort of a passive income. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to retire off it, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. But it's just great. It, it's great to be able to justify and make some money off the travel so it doesn't become just a negative bottom line throughout the year. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, I think so many people would be interested to to hear that and, and just the, the way you're, you're approaching it, uh, that mindset of being out there to create content, uh, is, is, is pretty cool. Uh, talk to me about this book project. We, we chatted about that last time. Uh, tell us about this, uh, travel uh, book project that's really taking you all over the place. Yeah. So it's a designer friend of mine who has been working on this book project. He has, he has a few publishers interested, but he hasn't signed on with anybody yet, but basically incredibly talented interior designer wants to sort of mesh the worlds of travel, which is just something he really enjoys and is passionate about with interior design. And it's so funny because I get really nervous explaining this to people because I don't want people in their heads to envision a photo of the beach yeah, yeah. and then a beach house with seashells right. or like 
coastal colors because the mock-up is so much prettier and so much more subtle than that. But sort of the angle he's taken on this book is hidden all seven continents. So we've been fortunate. We've checked four off the list over about three years. We have three left. We still have to hit Asia, Africa, and Australia. So once we get those checked off and he works with his designer, his graphics designer to start laying it together, I think he's either going to self-publish or work with a publisher on it. But it's been, it's been an incredible project. Oh, yeah. It's really taken us to some incredible places. Um, I, I feel really fortunate to be involved with it right now. It's been a lar- it's a large amount of time that I've committed to it without any, uh, I hate to make everything about money, but without seeing any sort of residual income from yeah. it. But it's still been such a great project. And then, you know, uh, another place where we've been fortunate is, you know, HGTV, who we've worked with closely, uh, they're owned by the same parent company as Travel Channel. So we were able to sell a large catalog of our travel images to Travel Channel this year oh, nice. or in 2018, which was a huge help and sort of offset in some of that travel cost. Yeah. One thing I will say to people, if anybody's really interested in travel content, I, it's such a, I never approached it from the angle that we don't want to be influencers. That's not somewhere we're really trying to go yeah. at all with our business. It, that's such a flooded market into itself. Oh, yeah. Um but there are a lot of these art curation companies online. We've had a few other ones reach out to us that we've passed on because we work with Artfully Walls. But it's worth doing the research and find out who's out there and send them a cover letter and introduce yourselves and share some of your work and see if they're interested in picking it up. And it's not going to be tremendous money right off the get-go, but it's a great way to get the exposure to your travel work and really have your travel work just live out there. I mean, we... Found out recently one of our pieces was picked up and featured in a photo shoot with Architectural Digest. Oh, wow. And it happens to be in a celebrity's office on the Warner Brothers huh. lot. And, you know, it's we made no more money off that than if somebody had just bought that photo and put it in their house. But it was still cool to just see a travel photo that we took hung in the back of this, you know, executive's uh, office on the Warner Brothers lot. So. It's just neat sometimes to see people care about the work you're producing and they like it and they're willing to purchase it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like you said, you can't hurt to ask, right? Put that letter together and reach out. And uh, if this is something people want to get into, uh, you know, you can get lucky. And, and like you said, you know, uh, maybe cross paths with the right person at the right time. But, uh, uh, you know, I think most people are going to have to actually put themselves out there. And Oh, abs- yeah, absolutely. There is no... I mean, those are so many things I wish I would have known back in my 20s was the amount of hustle and just to send that first email, make that first point of contact. It's huge. It's huge, especially if you're interested in photographing interiors and things of that nature. You can't sit back. You know, you can put together a website for weddings. You can reach out to vendors and once your name is kind of out there, sit back and hope yeah. that, you know, inquiries come in. It's a lot harder with interiors. You've constantly got to be reaching out to new clients and interior designers are only going to do so many homes within a year right. and at that they're only going to be interested in having so many photographs so you need to build a repertoire of multiple designers True. and multiple companies that want you if you're going to try to make that a staple of your business hmm. looking through your portfolio i, I found a, so much of the travel stuff uh, again because it, that's what interests me uh was really striking uh, i wanted to ask you about one photo you had in there it was um uh, it was a little boat. It was just seemed like it was speeding through some iceberg filled waters. Uh, how, 
tell tell us about that that image. Where where'd you capture that? How did you how'd you get that shot? Oh, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, so that's uh, that's actually off the west coast of Greenland. There's a, a town there called Ilisat, Okay. And it's known really well for sort of its uh, iceberg fjords. Okay. So it has these like really deep fjords that just fill up with icebergs because they break off of the glacier back there, mm -hmm. um, off of the Greenland ice sheet and just kind of float up there. I was actually in Iceland and the designer I work with had a house in Iceland. So we were there photographing his house for House Beautiful. And we're there and he just happened to be like, uh, you know, it's only a three hour flight to Greenland. I've never seen Greenland. Do you want to go? And I was like, absolutely. Yeah. Let's go see Greenland. Nice. And so, yeah, we went over to Greenland. We spent three days there and it's, it's just rock and ice. I mean, the whole country is just rock and yeah. ice and it, it, it's amazing though. So we stayed at a hotel right by the airport and there's this incredible fjord that just dumps all this ice sort of as it works its way out into the ocean. And I have a Mavic drone with me that I just happened to bring by happenstance hmm. on this job. I don't normally always bring a drone right. um, for interior work. And that's what I was originally there to shoot, but I happened to bring it. And so, you know, we went ahead, checked local code and found out we could fly it. So we flew it out and I just happened to see this boat speeding along. So I kind of tracked it for a minute yeah. and I just love this moment when it's flying through in between. And it was actually just a little fishing boat yeah. and it was working its way out. So you watch all these uh, Greenlanders set up their boats in the morning and they just take off and they go spend their day fishing between the ice and then come on back at the end of the day. Wow. And it was, it's, it's just really, that's one of the things I probably love the most about the travel is just experience and see in other parts of the world that you just, you know, they exist, yeah. you read about them, but when you're there in person and you're like, man, this is somebody's livelihood. This is how they spend their day. This is what they do every day. And they get up. Um, it's really incredible to see. And I think that's the, my favorite thing yeah. about photography, especially when traveling is, sort of getting to see those elements and uh, yeah, that, it, that's a great, great place to go visit. Yeah, it's, it's high on my list actually of uh, spots to visit. So I'm super excited that uh, that's where that image is from. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. If you go to Iceland, you, I mean, it is, it's a three hour yeah. flight. It's not crazy expensive. It's worth it to do it, to just check Greenland off your yeah. list. And Greenland is so different from Iceland. Yeah. I really thought they might be a little more similar. Um, just completely different. The people are completely different. Just a, just a different world. Hmm. It's, it's really incredible to see. And especially with Iceland getting so popular with every photographer, yeah. if you want to stand out, you almost have to just bounce around <laughs> to right. somewhere new because at this point, everybody's got their, you know, passport stamped for Iceland. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, speaking of, uh, destinations, where, where would you go right now? If, uh, if you could just sort of pack a bag and, and hit the road, is there, is there any spot that's kind of up on your, your, uh, must see uh, place to visit? Oh, new, I mean, New Zealand definitely is. I feel like that would be on a lot of people's. Yeah. Um, that is honestly because there's a guy, Jamie, who I met on when we were down in Antarctica. He was one of the ship guides. And he's one of those, he's just a young 20-something, and he spends half of his year doing tours in, uh, in Antarctica, and then the other half of his year giving tours in uh, New Zealand, wow. doing mountain bike tours. And I was just like... He seemed like such a cool cat yeah. and he would just know, you know, the great spots off the back of his hand out there. So it's definitely somewhere I want to get into. Cool. I won't lie. I just, I don't love flying at this point. Yeah. I'm not a nervous flyer. I just don't like sitting on the plane that long. So the idea of a 14 hour flight yeah. to Australia and then over to New Zealand seems very overwhelming at the moment. Right. Uh, talk to us about uh, moving forward. So t tell us uh, sort of what you're getting into now. I think 
uh, when we when we chatted, the, uh, you had mentioned you were starting to move into doing some work in advertising, and you want to talk about that a bit? So yeah, we um, you know I had a, a client, a production company, recently reach out to me, and we've had a few jobs where we'll have production companies or uh, art directors reach out to us about certain jobs that aren't necessarily interior focused. Um, they'll take place obviously inside like uh, interior space, but a lot more live talent, which is not completely new. We've worked with a lot of live talent on different shoots for HGTV, um, DIY, other publications, but to really have the focus be for a specific product and a a specific company that isn't interior based is, is new for us. So we had a client reach out to us recently and, you know, they, they loved our interior work, but they wanted to know, could we bring that same kind of look and feel to their client and what their client needs. And it was one of those cases where, you know, and hopefully this doesn't air until after I get this job over so the client will never hear it. Um, In the back of my head, I I am right now, the job's in two weeks, I'm I'm nervous. But I said, absolutely. And I put together a proposal, sent it over. They signed off on it. So we're going to move forward with it. And it involves a lot of talent. I think all said and done, you know, the setup is four families and four different setups for their ad campaign. And it's going to be much more light intensive than what I typically do. I typically work with a lot of natural light. This is going to be working with a lot of studio-based lights within an interior space. So, you know, it's one of those things we jumped in and we're going to figure it out now. Yeah. Um, I, I just feel like that's, I, if I if I waited until I felt I was confident to shoot that job, I'll never have that job because I'm never going to fall into a situation of needing to go out and shoot something like this. <laughs> the only way I'll ever shoot something like this is on a job. Yeah. So we just kind of said yes, and we're going to take it from there. But we've had more advertising uh, companies interested in us in the last year than any time prior. <laughs> so it's something I definitely want to keep pursuing. I never want to over broaden our focus. I never want to be the photographer that you look them up and they shoot half a dozen different things because I feel like it becomes really hard to be focused and stand out if you're throwing too big of a net. So right now we really only sell ourselves. Like we don't really even sell ourselves as travel photographers for a little while there. I think we had it on our Instagram handle and we took it down because it just felt too broad and it felt too, um, common to say that. So we're basically, we're wedding photographers on one Instagram, we're interior photographers on another Instagram. And that's kind of where we live right now. Hmm. In the next few years, whether we ever phase out of wedding work and strictly move into advertising and interiors, we'll see. Yeah. Um, it would be nice to get weekends back a bit more, <laughs> totally. but at the same time, you know, anybody who shoots weddings knows you get like that great couple and that great weekend and you're having a great time photographing everybody at the reception and all the guests love you. And you're like, Oh, this is amazing. I could do this every weekend and it's great. And then sometimes you have weddings that are a bit more intensive and you're exhausted. And Tiff and I just, the one thing we've always said about our business is we could always go do something else. The moment we hate this, we'll pack it up. We're we're not, we're not going to live our life doing jobs we don't enjoy. That makes sense. And and you guys seem pretty good at just diving into to pretty much anything headfirst and uh, with no fear. So I, I'd have no doubt you'd you do well no matter what you take on. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, tell us um, before we before we ended here, uh, who inspires you? And and it doesn't have to be a photographer, uh, but uh, where where do you find inspiration? I think life inspiration. Oh man, this is. Uh... 
I'm going to sound cheesy, <laughs> but I will say life inspiration. I really like, I enjoy people like Tony Robbins and Tim Ferriss and Dave Asprey. I'm a big podcast junkie yeah. and I love self-improvement material. I, I, I eat that stuff cool. up, but I am big on uh, the big focus for our business this year moving forward is, and we've been trying it for a while now anyways, to outsource most of our post-production. Okay. But this year I've been working really hard on focusing on trying to outsource our interior post-production hmm. because it's such a technical with weddings that it's hard to have somebody really understand and edit to your creative eye. Interiors are more technical. Yeah. Like the blue has to look like the shade of blue that it was. So I feel like it's a little easier in a sense to outsource that, but it's very time intensive to edit interiors. And I just, my biggest focus for this next year, my wife's biggest focus is really spending time as a family, spending time with our kids. Yeah. If we're not on a job photographing, elements, photographing people, photographing interiors. I don't want to be working. Yeah. I want to be enjoying my life. And so we have worked really hard to automate and streamline a lot of our business, which I would say I take a lot of that from like Tim Ferriss's the four hour work week yeah. and sort of just modifying your lifestyle so that you can have more free time. I mean, this week I've spent most of the time this week hanging out with my two daughters at the rock climbing gym. Yeah. I have a shoot the next two days, but Outside of that, I have an editor right now who's handling all my post-production so that I can have the freedom to go hang out with my kids while they're little Amazing. and why they still want to hang out with yeah, me. Yeah, that's right. That's perfect. Cool. Well, listen, uh, Robert, this was a really amazing chat. Uh, it was it was really nice to get some insight into into your world and and the work that you do, and uh, just to get some some really cool ideas that uh, I, I think the listeners are are really going to get a lot out of. So I, I just want to thank you for uh, taking the time to to chat with us uh, here today on the podcast. Hey, man, I appreciate it so much. And if Anybody ends up having a question or anything and they want to email me, please feel free. Perfect. We're just over at rusticwhite.com. So shoot us an email if you have questions about interiors or anything else. We're always happy to answer them. I mean, we had so many, I shouldn't say so many. We had a couple of amazing mentors who poured so much energy into us yeah. when we were first starting. And we that is something we always want to pay back. So anybody that ever asks questions, we're always happy to take the time to chat through them. That's perfect. Yeah. Well, we're definitely going to throw those links up in the, in the show notes uh, so people can uh, find you there for sure. So amazing. Thank you so much, Robert. Awesome. Thank you, Sean. Thanks so much for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Robert Peterson, please check out the links in the show notes at tribearchipelago.com slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a review on iTunes. Don't forget that as a way of thanking you, we're offering all of our podcast listeners a 20% discount on your next purchase. Be sure to visit us at tribearchipelago.com and use the code tribepodcast to redeem this special offer. Thanks again. Until next time.